All right. Welcome to the TalentCast. It's bots, bots, and more bots, but maybe not bots. We'll see. I, in uh, our ex- interesting experiment of talking to people who are not me uh, and maybe getting some actual brains into this conversation, these podcasts, I've invited my friend Chris, Chris Marduk, who is going to talk about bots, I think, but I think we haven't actually done this conversation yet. We're going to, that conversation is going to mosey. It's going to wander all around. So uh, we'll see where it goes. So uh, we'll be right back. Welcome to the TalentCast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand and recruiting podcast. I'm your host, James Ellis. Thanks so much for listening. If this is your first time for joining in, we do things a little differently. We try and do deep dives. There's not a lot of interviews here. There's not a lot of news here. This is about how do we get smarter and better? And that means how do I get you smarter and better? How do I get you to think about these problems at a deeper level so that you can solve them and look like a genius to your boss? If this isn't the first time you've been here, thanks so much for returning. Feel free to share with your friends, your coworkers, your boss. I don't know. Uh, we really do appreciate that. All right, let's get into it. All right, James Ellis here. Housekeeping, blah, blah, blah. Go to at the War for Talent on Twitter. Go to thetalentcast.com, employerbrand.consulting, yada, yada, yada. Do the stuff. Anyway, so I'd like to introduce my guest this week, this bi-week, this semi-week. I don't know what it's called. We try to do this every other week. This is Chris Murdoch. He is the co-founder and senior chief sourcing officer at a little company called IQ Talent Partners out of Atlanta. Uh, nope, Nashville. Nashville. Oh, why did I think Atlanta? Did we? I don't know why I thought that. It's all the South is all the same to me now that I've, I'm gone. I'm not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's all one big broad, not Florida. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. as long as it's not as long as you didn't confuse us with Florida, oh, I, yeah, I draw yeah. the line at Florida. Yeah, that, that that's insulting. I'd stop the recording altogether and just you know apologize profusely. Uh, Nashville, thank you. So uh, let's just go ahead and start with this. So uh, first off, hey Chris, how's it going, man? <laughs> I mean, it's I, my I have usual been rocky start. No, so welcome. Yeah. Well, well, my dad, you know, my dad, you know. He he's from Indiana, but he's lived all over the world. As part, you know, was in the Navy for 34 years, and he's got this thing where he just says, you know, I'm busier than a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure it's not PC, but I do feel that way. This week has been cons- insane. Are you concerned for people who have asses or don't have asses? I'm not sure for whom you. No, might be I'm more worried about at. the one-legged people. But you gotta imagine that would be really busy. That would be really it would busy. Be. And th- it would yeah, be. it's 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 not to denigrate anyone. It's simply to say, look, it's it's going to take you a little bit more work, and that's going to make you busier. Yeah, and in any time you have a three day weekend, you end up doing five days worth of work in four. So right. Oh my that's, goodness. Yes. That I've just been playing catch up. Yeah, but this probably isn't the conversation we wanted to have. So uh, let no. us jump into the meat of the matter. So uh, for those of you who listen, we, this is this isn't an interview. This isn't planned conversation. I have one thing I'm going to start off with, and we it just goes where it goes. So I'm going to start with this one. Uh, we met a couple weeks ago, maybe two months ago, at Sherm Talent in Nashville. I guess that's why you were there. You're a Nashville person. There you go. Correct. Uh, and we had a great conversation about bots and and AI in we, general and AI yeah, in general. I, yeah, I tend to I tend to just call bots. You know, it's it's the umbrella term for anything that is machine learning and AI and and does the work for me stuff. So um, the conversation was we we came from the same idea from two different directions, and that was this idea of you know you talk about bots and you complain about everybody talks about bots and AI as this function or these vendors talk about bots and AI as this means of lowering headcount, which scares the crap out of people. Right? Recruiters were like, oh my god, you're going to get me fired. Yeah. Yeah, it creates animosity right from the get-go. And and the thing is, it's not, it, 
when you say it's going to reduce your headcount, when you say it's going to, to do that, some of the recruiters that you have left are going to be using that tool. But if you're instantly putting all of the recruiters on, on blast that their job might go away because something's going to get automated, there's still going to be a recruiter here. But now all of a sudden the recruiters that are going to use your tool mm-hmm. are going to want to use it. Yeah, uh, it's you're creating animosity. I don't mind if they say we're going to be able to reduce costs and make you more efficient. That's fine. The end result might end up being that some of the roles go away, but also some of the roles are going to morph. Um, you know, just because you're uh, leveraging AI doesn't mean you can't have a you, you won't have recruiters. You yeah. won't have sourcers. You might only you might have coordinators. You just might not have schedulers anymore. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, the roles are going to change. The roles are going to morph. And could one of the outcomes be fewer heads? Yes. But if you are pushing and starting and leading with, I want to help get rid of your recruiters, recruiters still have to use the tool. And the recruiters yeah. are instantly going to not use it. They're going to yeah, be on but, the defensive. But that's marketing and advertising, right? I'm going to try. I'm trying to sell this incredibly complicated vague, messy idea called AI or bots to recruitment leaders and they don't understand it and they don't know what to do with it. They just heard, they've been to the conferences and they've heard, it's a thing, it's sexy, you should buy some. And they don't have an encapsulated, hey, this is a quick reason why. And if you focus on headcount, it's an easy way for them to go to the CHRO and say, here's how we save money by spending money. But of course, that's great, but they're never gonna use that tool. The recruiters are the ones who get to use that tool. So you're actually setting up friction automatically. You're trying to start, you're, you're sparking a fight between the recruiters and the tools to sell the tool, which I think puts vendors at a disadvantage. And we already have a, a problem with you know tool adoption within companies. Um, I used to have to do uh, kind of a, a tools roadshow because I needed the tool, all these resources that we had at Yahoo, for example. Mm-hmm. And all these great resources, some of which I, I actually uh, used with um, corporate development. There were some tools like Capital IQ, which is you know robust, very expensive, and I wanted to keep it. And so I would have to go out and say, hey, don't forget, we have this tool. We have this tool. We have this tool. I would do I'd go to people's desks. Hey, did you do your, you know, mm-hmm. I, I heard you're working on this project. Did you use the, uh, did you use Capital IQ? Uh, to, to build out a list of target companies. They'd say, no, I say, let's, let's do it. Let's get it. Because if people weren't using the tool, we were going to lose it. If you yeah. it's use it or lose it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, if you're, if you, if your CFO is taking a look and you spend a hundred thousand dollars on a, on a resource and it's not getting used, that's going to go away. Yeah. And it's going to be a hundred thousand dollars wasted mm-hmm. because the recruiters are like, if I use this, it's going to put me out of work. And you've actually put yourself in a bad position where you've said, look, don't invest in recruiting because they don't know how to use the tools. They don't know how to do change management. They don't know how to embrace new ways of thinking about problems, adding more tools or processes. It gets rejected. And so don't bother. Go and just buy another body or something. Yeah. And, and you have this. I've, we've even seen the same. We've seen the same mentality with a sourcer. When you have, you know, when, when a sourcer comes into an organization, there are plenty there are plenty of recruiters that are lone wolves that, that would rather do it themselves. They feel mm-hmm. threatened by you yeah. know, having to, to team up with or, or give credit to a sourcer. And if the sourcer is not being used, the sourcer is going to go away or is going to be realigned. And the business, the, the business unit or the functional group you know, loses out on more effective you know, recruiting practices. So it's, yeah. it's, it, it, we have an, uh, why are recruiters like so 
We get so protective and defensive sometimes. Oh, yeah. That, I think that's an easy question to answer. And that is, I mean, if, if you compare recruiters to, like, say, sales, sales gets to ask for things and people say, okay, how much money does it make us? And all the conversation around is what is the value you're bringing to the table? How much sales are you going to make us? What's the ROI? What's the value of that thing? Recruiter asks for a candy bar or an extra glass of milk, and they say, what's it going to cost? Everything is about we don't understand how much how recruiters add value. We can't measure how they add value, even though it's clear that they're adding value. But we don't know how to quantify that in such a way to compare them apples to oranges to sales. So we're going to focus on cost. So let's just lower the cost as much as possible. And that's the root cause to me of all problems in recruiting these days. James. Yes, sir. I love you. Well, you because know. You, you, <laughs> Yeah, you weren't expecting that. I really you, wasn't. No. This, is a, this um, is a very different podcast. Okay, so it, it just uh, – one of the things is, you know, as, as part of our firm, we're, we're one of the – you know, not to – I'm not going to do a sales thing here, but Appreciate we're one that. of the largest in-house recruiting functions around mm-hmm. that anyone can just borrow. Mm-hmm. So we have, you know, 165 people. We are a leveraged model. Um, and one of the things that we have to do as a third party, as any consultancy, you have to do this, I have to do this, you have to show your value. And so th- I think some of the in-house recruiting functions could learn from us. We know yeah. the value that we're providing. And so, not all the time is there a, there a monetary ROI. Not mm-hmm. all the time is there a time ROI. You know, time to fill, you know, time to fill is a good metric. Um, cost per hire can be a good metric, um, but it gets fuzzy, but how do you start measuring value? You measure it by impact. You measure it by Mm -hmm. the number of Mm -hmm. people, you know, the, the, you know, how quickly did you put a button in the seat, you know, and, and how, what are the, the ultimate downstream, knowing what the downstream effects are, it's very Mm -hmm. expensive to capture. Yeah. But how do we, how do we, uh, we, we've got to figure out ways to turn recruiting into a value center versus yeah. just a cost center. Because it's not a revenue generator directly. If you're placing a lot of engineers, you know, over the long term, you know, you can show some, you know, maybe do the research. But it's, the data's not there. Vendors out there listening, help mm-hmm. us measure long-term <laughs> recruiting yes. value. When yes. we put a butt in the seat, what is that person's long-term revenue, you know, revenue impact? Uh, yeah. salesperson's revenue impact, engineer's revenue impact. Figure that out for us. Do some yeah. magic. But yeah, right the closest now, I can get is the savings. It's okay, uh, if you don't have a butt in that seat, what's it costing you in lost income or lost sales? Okay, that you can quantify, but it's still, again, it's the wrong side of it. It's about savings instead of creation. Yeah, and that's where it's, we're creating value as recruiters. We're creating oh, yeah. value as employment branding experts. Yeah, because um, if it wasn't for us, if it wasn't for recruiters and it wasn't for employer brands, you couldn't hire anybody. Therefore, there would be no company. It's simple as that. Yeah, and and and, and again, what's, and the thing is, on the value side, the reason these AI vendors, not all of them do this, but some enough of them have that have actually made a lot of people very afraid of artificial mm-hmm. intelligence and machine learning tools and bots um, that – Rather than saying, you know, they come at it from what you were just saying, that, that it's a cost. This is a cost savings. We're going to save you this. We're going to save you this. We're going to save you this. Mm-hmm. When in actuality, they're actually providing a lot of value. The AI yeah. tools are, are here for a reason. They're providing some value. And they just happen to have a sticker price on them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but well, the so ultimate, do recruiters. It's just that we, we never think about the salary and the computer and the benefits as, as a sticker price. We just kind of swallow that. But um, I will. I'm not going to name names. I'm going to. Uh, there is a CEO 
of a... (laughs) Thank you for not naming names. I don't know where this is going, but right now, blanket thank you. I'm not going to name names because we don't need anyone to sue you or me. Um, But I I actually had a conversation. I actually had a conversation with the CEO founder of of an AI-enabled tool. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, I said, why have you created this? And he literally said, I hate recruiters. Oh, I hate them. I hate them. No. I think they're, they're, they're terrible. And I said, hold on there. Yeah. I happen to be one. <laughs> um, I may also, I mean, you know, maybe the, the, the chief sourcing officer, but whenever I need to, I put on my recruiter hat. And, yeah. and as a sourcer, I love tools. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a total tool. Like, yeah, I'm the yeah. biggest tool you've ever met, dude. <laughs> I am the biggest tool you've ever met. Just and leave that there. Just yeah, that's away. fine. No, yeah. totally <laughs> late. <laughs> Just teed that one up for you. You're in jail. Um, thank you, thank you. But this guy, and I, and I said, you do realize that recruiters are the ones that are using your tool. Mm-hmm. And he was silent. Yeah. Just silent. Yeah. I said, it's not an HR person using your tool. Oh, God, I it's, hope not. It's a, uh, that's a, okay, there's another argument later. Yeah. <laughs> another vent session. This is <laughs> less of a debate, more of a vent session. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is no fight. But no, he, and, and so he ultimately once I explained to him how the <laughs> actually he was creating a tool for recruiting, mm-hmm. but not for recruiters. He was trying to, the problem he was trying to solve was get rid of bad recruiters. Yeah. He didn't understand that there are good recruiters. Yes. He didn't understand the actual recruiting process and that, and, and yet he was building a tool yeah. for it. Yeah, but that, um, so, so much of that stems from the fact that I, I've never seen another job or industry where the spectrum of good and bad in that job is as wide as it is in recruiting. I have met recruiters who I wonder how they get home at the end of the day. Like, did they get lost? Is there a string that leads them from their office to their house? Because there's, there's just, you can't, I can't fathom it. But I've met recruiters who are flipping geniuses at this stuff. I, I don't know any dumb pilots and you know, they're smart pilots, but I don't know any, you know, that, that gap is much, much narrow in other jobs. And recruiters, it's up top and bottom all across the board. It's insane. Well, I started IQ Talent 10 years ago, uh, technically 10 years ago this month, um, but legally we weren't an entity until July, so because okay. of paperwork. He's up, up lawyers. Calm down. Calm down. Yeah, he yeah, said yeah. legally, so it's I'm, okay. Yeah, I'm, yeah, we don't need any comments. Um, <laughs> God, I wish. I yeah. wish. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I want people to have arguments. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, we were... Um, we picked up a client within a month, you know, within a month of my getting laid off from, from Yahoo, we had our first client. Mm -hmm. And when I was, I would literally, this was April, May of 2009, we started reaching out to, to engineers and I would literally spend the first 15 to 20 minutes talking about how I'm not like the other recruiters that they dealt with. And, and so I'd have to explain the difference between a a, a consult, you know, an in-house recruiter, a contingent recruiter, a mm. retained recruiter, and then mm-hmm. also the retainer, uh, the container, the contingent uh, retained and contingent hybrid, the container agreement. Yeah, I, I I would literally spend fifteen to twenty minutes, and then I would actually be able to like interview or try to talk to the talk the candidate into going to this client. Yeah, it was it was nuts, and yeah. they would uh, and some of them I'm still friends with. Like I still I'm, I'm friends with Facebook with some of these engineers I met in that first month. Wow. Um, but it's because I wanted to build a relationship. Um, what? Are yeah. you kidding me? Wait, as yeah. a recruiter, you're supposed to build a relationship? And that leads me into why AI, why I'm a big proponent of AI. Okay. AI is going to automate a lot of the tasks. 
that would take me a long time uh, to do the research side of things. The research mm -hmm. is never easy, but the research, the tools now, the AI enabled tools, the machine learning, the natural language processing, all of these things that are getting thrown into these tools. Mm -hmm. And yes, right now we have to use a lot of them um, depending on the population, the geographic region, et cetera. But what it's doing is it's helping, these tools are helping me find the right candidates faster mm -hmm. so that I can spend more time building a relationship with the candidates, yeah. building a better relationship with the hiring manager, doing more, you know, working on more recs and, you know, because I'm able to be more efficient, be more targeted and, and, and do what I really mm -hmm. enjoy. I do enjoy the research, yeah. but the research is getting easier and the research has gotten easier and uh, it'll be 20 years this year, this October uh, that I got into recruiting and the research used to be a ruler and a, a book. Yeah. I would go down and I would scan through. I was the, I was the search engine. And I had natural language processing in my head. What's a wool buyer? Oh, hey, scarves are wool. And yeah. I would literally go down the list. The, it went from paper cuts and, and BS to now I can literally just p type in a couple of key words and the systems are smart enough to, 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 to translate them into other terms that are tangential. Yeah. So I'm, I don't have to do as much time on the research. I don't have to do as much time... Um, like weeding through resumes, reading through LinkedIn profiles, reading through Google results. Mm -hmm. These tools are pulling it all together so that I can actually have more time doing what I'm actually really good at, which is lying to candidates and forcing <laughs> hiring managers to, to hire it. my candidates. I knew it. So the trick I have with AI is that, okay, if you look at a non-AI enabled recruiting process right now, you go, okay, I'm going to do some sourcing, I'm going to do some research, I'm going to do some outreach, I'm going to develop a relationship, I'm going to make a pitch or a call to action, drive them to the action they have to take, funnel them through the phone screen, the interview, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You et cetera. forgot scheduling. Yeah, You yeah, forgot yeah. The, the back and forth, the endless back and forth uh, <laughs> to find a time that works. Okay, valid. So if you apply AI, and let's the, the trick with AI is that it is a commodity, meaning I can buy it, you can buy it, my mom can buy it, I don't know why my mama buy it, but anybody can buy it, and anybody can apply this thinking and this process to a great recruiting process or to a flawed recruiting process, to a good recruiter, to a bad recruiter. It is a tool that everybody can use, and when you do that, it separates the good from the bad because it suddenly realizes in a long, week-long process to go through this whole journey, and you take away the automated steps, what's left that's human it's the relationship building one. It's the mm -hmm. connections. And if you're a bad recruiter and you're bad at that, you've just released the, the, the grunt work, which is the thing you were okay at because any idiot can be okay at that part of it. I know any idiot can do it because a bot just did it. But a great recruiter suddenly can build a lot more relationships, can build deeper relationships, can build them faster because the grunt work is taken off their plate. It's the separator between good and bad recruiters. Yes. And funny that you mentioned that the, the 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 making great recruiters you know even greater mm -hmm. when i got into when i saw the job for the research assistant at tmp worldwide this is when oh, i moved boy. after i got this is my first job in recruiting it was a research assistant i had whiffed i had whiffed on sales jobs because mm -hmm. I, I was a history major in college <laughs> and and i literally sat down with jeff lemming one of the name partners of Lemming Levan, who, which had just been acquired by TMP Worldwide. Um, I started looking into what, what, what retained search was, what the executive recruiting industry was. And I really thought this was, you know, having worked at Sears and in the kids department, Dillard's in the kids mm -hmm. department, um, you know, through high school and college, um, 
I thought, well, hey, I know that I know re- I, I know retail uh, uh, well enough, mm-hmm. um, and I'm, I've been doing research at, at Vandy for the last four years. This is pretty interesting. And then I started to dig in, and I started to realize, if I'm I'm going to come in and I'm going to do more than what the job description says, I'm going to mm-hmm. make them so dang and efficient um, that they're going to be able to to do better as a firm. And so when I sat down across from the name partner, I was finally prepared. Um, I had been asked so many times, like, would you want to do be a teacher? And the answer was yes. But then I realized they don't make enough money. No. Um, and I wanted to, 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 to do more. Mm-hmm. And, and so I said, he actually asked me the question. He's like, did you go to school to be a teacher? And I said, yes. But then I realized I wanted to do more. I wanted to, to, to kind of get into sales or, and actually I didn't even think of recruiting as an, as an, as an industry. Yeah. And I said, I see there's a little bit of sales, a little bit of marketing. And I think I'm the right person to come in and do more than what you're asking for. Yeah. My goal is to, to help you, you know, close searches faster so you can do more searches in a year and make more money. Mm-hmm. He offered me the job that day. Nice. So it's, and the thing is, that's what AI is trying to do for us. Yeah. It's trying to, you know, take some of the stuff that's time consuming, take it off your plate so that you can do more mm-hmm. and, and provide more of that value. And, um, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people don't realize that, you know, there is machine learning and AI behind LinkedIn, you know, LinkedIn recruiter. Oh yeah. Sometimes the, the AI is hidden um, it, and, and it's just being applied. Uh, it's being overlaid um, on top of something that you you know have historically used yeah. that what we didn't know was AI enabled. Yeah, but that's like the joke about marketing. It's like you don't. No one hates marketing. They hate bad marketing. No one should hate machine learning. They should hate it when they go when they can spot it when they can see it when like oh that seems like a weird response or a weird result. That's bad AI. That's bad machine learning. When it works like it's supposed to, you don't even notice it. Yeah. And what's the, what's the Turing? Is that the Turing test? The Turing test, if you're talking, so for yeah. those of you who don't know it, if you are talking to a computer, and I'm using lots of air quotes here because you not, may not actually be talking, this is, you know, because the Turing test was developed in the 50s. Um, the idea that if you're talking to a computer and you can't tell that it's a computer or a human being, it is quote unquote past the Turing test. If it's indisp- undetectable that it's a machine rather than a person, that's how you know it's really good. So, yes. okay, so when we talk about AI, the thing I keep getting hung up on is this, the John Henry problem. And that is, you know, you know the, the folktale of the guy who was a, a digger and a miner and there, the steam engine came and he's like, I'm going to go dig. I can dig faster than any steam engine because I'm the greatest digger there was. And he effectively exhausted himself to death beating the steam engine. You know, he won the, the race of digging the thing, whatever it was, but he died in the process. That presumes a straw man argument of you either get the human or you get the machine. But the truth is, as you started to say, there's the third option. That is, what happens if you put John Henry in the front of that machine and drives the machine? Someone who has all this experience of understanding how rock and dirt works, understanding what the needs of the engineers are, what the good size tunnel should be, when the tunnel doesn't seem strong enough and what to do to fix it. What if you put that person in the driver's seat of a great machine? Isn't that what you really want? Well, it's, it's, or it's, the, it's the cyborg approach. You know, you're combining you know, uh, you're combining the best of one with the best of the other. I feel like um, the John Henry in the in the steam engine is a safer, nicer version. The cyborg tends to re- recall kind of 
Schwarzenegger movies. So, but you know, whatever you do, yeah. what you got to do. Well, you know, but I'm just saying it's it's you know when you start combining the best of both worlds, mm-hmm. you you start in, in you know you 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 can improve your process. You provide the, you you produce more value, and. It, it it just trickles down into so many different areas. You know, candidate experience is a, is is something everybody talks about. Mm-hmm. But you look at Glassdoor reviews; not all the time are they actioned on. Mm-hmm. But if you have a more effective and efficient recruiting process, um, your Glassdoor reviews are going to improve. Yeah. And the way you get to focus on that is by focusing less on scheduling um, and coordination. Um, of interviews. So like, is it a function of thinking about time? You, you have X number of hours in a day, a finite amount of time for any given recor- uh, recruiter or sourcer. The more you can focus their time on things that matter that computers can't do is how you think through this problem? Yeah. I mean, we deployed, we, we, we uh, did a test here in the office with Calendly. Okay. It's, and, and oh my God, just mm. all of a sudden, we be, the the group that was testing it out became so much more efficient. We had candidates going in to process faster, yeah. you know, sooner. I should say sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the candidates weren't hanging while we were, you know, exchanging two or three emails. Mm-hmm. What used to take two or three days potentially to coordinate mm-hmm. a, a phone call or an onsite interview, now I can I have full glimpses into people's calendars, and and it's being smart about telling me when and you know when someone's available and who should do it. And there's so much being automated and thought through. We're getting interviews scheduled in an hour with what would have taken three days or four days manually yeah. trying to, to trying to do all these things so it's just oh there's so many different little things out there that if you if you're if you know that it's taking you too long to get a candidate into the process look for ways to to improve that and sometimes it's just automating the scheduling trusting the ai yeah so you've obviously tested and looked at a lot of these tools so you don't sell one so that's great that's i feel very comfortable talking to you as a as an observer as a user not as a salesperson because we don't do that here um if someone wanted to kind of put the toe in the water and say, look, this sounds really interesting. I'm terrified still kind of of this. It takes over my life. It gets everybody fired or whatever nightmare scenario a recruitment leader has in their head when they, when they reject most of these ideas. How do you get started? What's the – obviously we talked about scheduling because that's, that's a pretty obvious one. But is that the best one to kind of dip your toe in and start get started with or are there other options? Um, I – I, I've always kind of felt that the the, the the coordination of calls, the scheduling, is probably the the gateway. Mm-hmm. It's the one that's probably the fastest to deploy, and also it it's because in most organiz not every organization has the budget to have an actual you know scheduler you know mm-hmm. on staff. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the recruiters um, and the sourcers are the ones that are doing that. So I think in those organizations that haven't invested. Um, that have not invested in a, a scheduling uh, function, um, they should take a look at those 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 tools, those chatbots or AI tools yeah. that, um, that that will assist with the scheduling. Yeah. I think if you've already got, if you already have a, a really well-oiled scheduling machine, that may not, may not be where you want to start, but it, it could be, and then yeah. you convert you know, some of those folks to sourcer, you know, some of the schedulers to actual coordination mm-hmm. um, uh, specialists that, you know, that specialize in, in creating a great candidate experience when the candidates come in, mm-hmm. especially in high volume area, uh, high mm-hmm. volume recruiting functions. Yeah. Um, and then also convert some of those folks to sourcing. Um, they know how candidates come in. 
they're around recruiters. This mm-hmm. is a great way. And, you know, I always, I've always felt, uh, and I, and I still feel to this day that schedulers and coordinators are great places to start, you know, training and developing sourcing talent within an organization, grow it for, you know, grow it. They're, yeah. they're great. Um, so AI is a means of, of, of talent development in-house. Yeah. Then if you, you know, if you, you can now take people that, you know, all that institutional knowledge that mm-hmm. the, some of the schedulers have, you're still going to need some manual scheduling. Yeah. There's still going to be people that are resistant to the tech. Um, within an organ, a large, especially a large organization, you're going to have people that are just resistant to it. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, there needs to be a manual process because of technical difficulties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you will still need to have that kind of you know talent you know in play. When you do have very strong, I think the other thing to look at would be um, internal discovery is another one. You know why why keep putting new people into the system? Mm-hmm. When you already have, you know, maybe, you know, potentially mm-hmm. tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people already in your database, um, companies like um, Eightfold, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with Eightfold, um, they started off as a sourcing platform. Mm-hmm. But then they they moved into more of the internal discovery. Yeah. They're using the AI, machine learning, natural language processing to find the best people you already know. Yeah. And if you already know them, you've already got a, they've already got somewhat of a you know they've already got interest in your company. Mm-hmm. They've got brand impression, positive brand impression. They've already understand they're semi sold on the brand. They're halfway in the bag. Yes. So why not use their their that you use their technology to mine your own systems because the yeah. ATSs and the CRMs don't necessarily have you know the 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 natural language processing or the AI built into it. Oh, I feel um, lucky when the ATS can parse things well, let alone actually process language. Let's 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 set our bar at the appropriate level, sir. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, Eightfold does a great job of that. And then there's a company like Atypica. Um, these were the 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 two companies that I, I I was the the practitioner on a panel with mm-hmm. two vendors. Um, and Atypica will look at your internal data. Uh, internal resume databases, uh, internal contact, you know, candidate contact databases, uh, and really promote um, diversity and mm-hmm. inclusion hiring mm-hmm. from within. It'll even find issues. It you you know finds really? where the bottlenecks are. It'll tell you which hiring managers or interviewers m- tend to say no more to women than they do to men. And, and the and lawyers start to drool. That's that's terrifying because but, you've just opened the door for. You know, because that now, now a lawyer might say, "Look, once you implement a tool like this, you can't say you didn't know that hiring manager X was a bit sexist or hiring manager Y was a bit racist." If you're not capturing the data, you 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 can honestly say you don't know. If you don't have the reporting mm-hmm. tools that yeah. say this hiring manager, if it's a manual process, I'm going to guess that if there was a manual process yeah. for review, mm-hmm. unless you know to They'd look, never you're that. Not. they'd never notice that. Yeah, because but, that, this, but this tool this point, is going to help you alleviate that issue. Yeah, no, but that's the thing is that most sexism or racism, or at least the kind I have encountered, if I can say that I've encountered it, it's much subtler than I'm never going to hire a black person or a woman. It's never – I've never really seen someone actually say that, but I've seen – you know those that those audience, the underrepresented, underserved audiences, can are the last ones left, and you know they just never get the benefit of the doubt, or they never get the bounce, or they never get you know the the advantage, and so therefore they're the first one that fall off. And those are subtle subtleties. You can't point to someone and say you keep leaving off women on the talent pools or the interview pools, but using data you can identify those problems. My concern is now legal and HR can't pretend or say I didn't know they have to actually fix the problem. And now if you know that hiring manager X is, is racist or sexist, ha, you, know, you what, make the change. You make a change. Yeah, but 
oh gosh, now I'm, it's, you're opening up a can of worms to say, and this is not the conversation we thought we'd have, but you're opening up a can of worms to say, hey, hiring manager, you might be sexist and not know it. And the lawyers are going to go nuts on both sides of that one. Um, I don't, I don't, I, I think it's a, a little alarmist. Um, Sounds and right. A little ex- and a little extreme. Um, oh, could man. that be, could that happen? Yes. But I think sometimes, sometimes bias is not understood. The, sometimes right. it's just they don't know. Um, yeah. You know, people are more likely to hire people like themselves. It's human yeah. nature. Like, it's like, what, like. Yes, and so it's why it's it's why we have artificial bars. You know, when it comes to GPA, um, top tier mm-hmm. schools. You know, pet, you know, having those types of things throw in there. It's because companies typically mm-hmm. are more inclined to hire people more like themselves. And when you do that, mm-hmm. you typically find organizations that are predominantly one gender mm-hmm. or one nationality, one ethnicity. Yeah. Um, and so you end up with you know. N- you might have a, di- a company that it looks diverse, but when you start getting into the different groups, they're not. When you yeah. get into the individual groups, they're not. Yeah. But I think tools, like, you know, AI can help us do better. Yeah. And I think we should come at it less, because if you, if you come at it from that alarmist view, well, the lawyers are going to have a field day. But the thing is, the lawyers would have the field day if we don't fix a problem. If, it, if all of a sudden something becomes a problem, mm, it becomes, know. we become aware of an issue and we don't fix it, then that's the problem. Yeah. But if we are using the tools the right way, if we're using AI, like Atypica is literally there to help you, one, find the, the, you know, the diverse talent that's already engaged with your brand. They're also there to, t- you know, to tell you how, how diverse candidates go through the process. Mm-hmm. Where do they fall out? Do they decline the offer? Do they, uh, do they just not get past this one person? Does this happen? You change the process so that, yeah. the pro- that those, those things don't happen again. And and so and then that what you do is you start training people on what implicit bias is. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a uh, we every new hire, uh, and every so often, um, uh, every time we have a new class uh, come through our our training program, we do a presentation on what implicit bias is and sometimes it's conscious sometimes it's unconscious Mm -hmm. and we talk about the difference and we talk about how to overcome it and we typically start by saying have you ever experienced Mm -hmm. bias we get people to start talking about things that they've experienced and so then we start showing people well how how do you think people have experienced these Mm -hmm. this type of person Mm -hmm. has experienced know their career and so i think and we are really good at helping our clients identify, you know, where some issues might be. Yeah. And we do it in such a way that's very tactful. Yeah. We're not saying, hey, you're stupid. We're <laughs> saying, hey, maybe we should try this. This person's yeah. actually much more qualified. Why don't we move this person to, to interview? Let's back burner this person. This way we're getting the best people mm-hmm. in front of the candidates yeah. or in front of our clients. So let's flip the conversation a little bit more Uh-oh. as we kind of close this up. No, no, I think this is – let's keep on the AI front. And then we started off – we talked a bit about how do you dip your toe in the water. What's the other side of that? I mean I've seen tools that, affect, that say or claim I'll interview your candidates for you and give you judgments on how qualified they <laughs> might be. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> hold on. Hold the phone, yeah. folks. Because I, and hold I don't, my beer. Hold yeah, my yeah. beer. <laughs> what could go wrong? Um, my big responses to that is, okay, so if you're going to build a bot to measure my ability to take an interview, I'm going to build a bot that interviews based on your criteria, and we're going to have bot fights. <laughs> yeah. It, and those, actually, have you ever seen the, 
the bot fights, the AI conversations, and how they turn. Oh no! Oh, oh is go that like on when, YouTube when you, when you get when you get Alexa to talk to um, the uh, Google Siri? Hold on. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, those there are so many of those videos yeah. and instances where mm-hmm. it it goes weird quick. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but I think again. So what's the what's the upper end of this stuff? What if you wanted to go total sci-fi and you wanted to say you want to blow your boss away and just say look how cool we are and look how how willing we are to tr- to change the rules and try new things? What's the upper extreme that you've seen that you'd be like I I yeah that may be a thing. Um. I, I think – look at the Amazon uh, the Amazon example. Um, the one where it calls the restaurant and makes a reservation for you? No. Okay. No. Uh, and Amazon created an, uh, an, an, an AI algorithm mm-hmm. to help them recruit engineers. Turns out they taught it how uh, – it taught it bias. Um, they noticed, um, mm-hmm. they noticed that they were high, you know, that the, they were still not moving the needle when it came to diversity and it really, they realized, especially, you know, gender diversity. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that all the profiles that they used as, um, oh. like exemplars, positive and negative examples, they used, uh, dudes, yeah. only dudes. Yeah. And so they taught this algorithm bias and it spits out nothing but and, Rick and morty and quotes and they're exactly. like wait a second there's something wrong here and the next thing you know and so but the thing was they did tr- put trust in it mm-hmm. but they had to verify trust yep. but verify oh so, 80s child there we are there we go trust but verify <laughs> and um yeah my grandfather would be proud right now yeah exactly. um so uh they trusted it mm-hmm. they recognized and they 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 but they verified they found mm-hmm. that it was not working and they figured so out why and yeah, so what's and the upper I'm getting end to a point. okay so the upper end is understanding what ai is capable of now mm-hmm. yes. and if somebody is selling you something that seems a little too far-fetched mm-hmm. and but yet you're still willing to take a chance on it like seriously the only way i would do an interview is if your interview process is three questions and there's a right answer to each one yeah. that's fine you can yeah. have people take a te- you're, ask- you're essentially asking them to take an automated test yeah you're not actually using an ai enabled interview to it's evaluate. just not to evaluate uh, yeah. you're looking for a right answer mm-hmm. that's not something ai that, you know, that's some you can you can create you know an ai that that says oh that's not the right answer oh that's, that's not the right even answer. ai that's just a mature, you know tree learning thing right yeah exactly and so if they're telling you that if a company's telling you that verify you know, mm-hmm. try it out. A lot of yeah. times, or, or look at an example, ask them how it's powered. Mm-hmm. But if they're oversell, if you feel like you're being oversold to, that's the upper limit. If you, mm-hmm. if you don't really get the warm fuzzies from these vendors that are saying, yeah, we'll do it. Mm-hmm. We can do this. Yeah. I don't know of anyone doing interviews well. So if yeah. anyone's, I think that's an upper limit. Like, I don't think they're really doing full on evaluations. They're doing matching for most likely a fit, mm-hmm. you know, who might be a good culture fit, who might be um, a good skills fit. But everything there is clarified by might. Yeah. Like, it's not like a but certain. That's true of every assessment. That's true of every personality test. That's every you know any of that yeah. stuff is you know it indicates it's likely that you know it, it's very yeah. fuzzy stuff. So again, that's where that trust. You know, you you take the you 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 do have to trust that the tool understands what you're looking for. Yeah. If you're trying to find an engineer who's a, a front end engineer, but they keep, it keeps spitting out the tool keeps spitting out Python folks which is back-end technology, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, something's wrong. Um, but 
most of the time, the matching tools that are out there, it's, it's what we used to call matching, smart matching. Now it's yeah. AI. Yeah. Um, SaaS software used to be ASP. Um, like everything kind of changes and gets a new name every so often. But yeah, in this yeah. case, I think what we're doing is you have to, you have to look at what it's capable, what the tool is actually capable of doing and not overselling it, mm-hmm. not being oversold to, and then yeah. not overselling it internally. Yeah. So, t- so the answer is take a freaking breath, think it through, ask a good question or two and, and, and don't just buy based on the, the sexy factor. Yeah. Yeah, you know, exactly. Can, there you go. All right, Chris, this has been a fantastic conversation. Um, I, I'm thrilled you had a chance to kind of come up and hang out with us and, and do this thing, even though I know that's a weird process. But thank you so much for joining us. Oh, hey, anytime, anytime. I, I actually, I'm, I'm really surprised what we've covered today and where, from where we started. It was actually that, a lot of fun. That's my whole life. I never know. For those of you know, for, nobody <laughs> believes me when I say I really don't always know what I'm going to talk about. Like I have an idea of the direction or where I want to start. Nobody believes that this is the process. And then they do it with me. They're like, you really just talk. I'm like, yep, that's all it is. That's all it is. Um, if you're looking for Chris, it's IQ Talent Partners. Uh, let's see. I'm not going to give your personal phone number away. You got a Twitter or something? What, what's the best way to get a hold um, of it? Uh, actually, uh, my email address, Chris, C-H-R-I-S, at IQ talentpartners.com so sign him up for all the newsletters you want um, magazine subscriptions whatnot he loves this stuff he told me that wouldn't, before the show it wouldn't it, it wouldn't be the first time I'm also <laughs> on I'm also on uh, Twitter um, C Murdoch is my handle uh, C Murdoch is also my my LinkedIn uh, URL so gotcha fantastic uh, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for being a part of this. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for reviewing. I appreciate all that stuff. Keep that going. We had some uh, crazy record months last two months, so thanks so much for listening. I love it. I appreciate it. I really do. If you have ideas or questions or thoughts on what the next show should be or maybe, I don't know, what challenges we should talk about, holler at me. It's Twitter, at the War for Talent or thetalentcast.com or all the different ways you can find me online. You know the answers by now. So thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of the Talent Cast. If this was useful to you, do not keep it a secret. Share it with your team. Share it with your boss. Share it with your networks. I don't know. Share it with your mom. Uh, if you have questions you'd like me to answer on a future show or just, you know, general ideas about how to make this thing better, just ping me on Twitter. You know, I'm at the War for Talent. At the War for Talent. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.